0: This is a journey into sound.
1: I know what you pinko
0: heavy metal weirdos do.
2: You are locked into MSR Cast, brought to you by Mainstream Resistance. If you like corporate bullshit, listen to commercial radio. If not, stay tuned. Fuck the Mainstream.
3: This is James Rivera, I'm going back to old school, MSR cast, oh come on, yes, we've been around for a long time, and we're not going away, this is James Rivera from Hellstar, support your local scene, Ah!
4: Hi, this is Gregor Macintosh from Paradise Lost, and you're listening to MSR
2: Cast. Welcome, everyone, to a brand new episode of MSR Cast. I have on the phone with me here Greg from Paradise Lost. I gotta admit, one of my all-time favorite bands. How you doing, sir?
4: i um, very, very good. Thank you for having
2: me. Oh, uh, good. Thank you for uh, for being here. Um, let's start off with the uh, Tragic Illusion release. It, this album really does run the gamut of the band's past 25 years. How did you uh, know it was the right time to finally release like a rarity album?
4: Um, it was actually, uh, the, the the idea first came up from our record label Century Media. Um, a guy there who we know um, said, you know, maybe you should do something for your 25th. And we said, like what? And he said, maybe a rarities thing um, and B-sides because a lot of you fans say that a lot of the B-sides and rarities are, are tracks that should have been on albums and things like that. And, um, we tended to agree, so we, we got a list together of tracks that we thought uh, did it justice, I guess. And uh, But then we also had the idea to um, re-record a couple of really early tracks, and that was not to try and... Better the originals because you can't really do that. they kind of have the charm of their time, you know. Um, it's more to kind of school people on where we came from. Um, so, you know, we so a lot of people got into the band at later stages in our career and don't really know the roots of the band. So that was the idea behind that. And then we decided to uh, write one new song, especially for it, to kind of bridge the gap between old and new. Um, and hopefully, it's a it's a good sort of collector's thing for fans, you know.
2: Yeah, it feels like a, a very good booking because in the very front, the first song on the album is a brand new track, and then the the, in- the last two songs are re-recorded tracks from your early career.
4: Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of a full circle thing, you know. I mean, 25 years, and you've got to kind of cover, uh, you know, there's a lot of history to cover there, you know, and. Uh, you kind of want to do it justice um so i mean we, we've even carried it through on the artwork side we wanted the artwork to be really special so we got uh, val noir who worked on our tragic idol album in 2012 um to do all new artwork for it um and if you look at the cover of the thing it's kind of he's included lots of references to artwork that we've had for albums throughout our career so it's a bit of a where's wally of Paradise lost Album covers. If you, if you will,
2: <laughs> that's always great. Um, when you're going back to the, the, when you were going to pick which songs you wanted to re-record from your from your past, how did you pick Gothic and Our Savior?
4: Uh, well, it's kind of strange way we came about with it. I mean, Gothic's fairly straightforward. We we actually um, in about 2007, 2008, we we played it live a couple of times. We really liked how it felt. Um, like newer rendition of it so we decided to pull that one out of the bag Um, but with our saviour our drummer now uh, Adrian Erlandson, who's been with the band for the last four four or five years um, when he was growing up in Sweden it was one of his favourite songs when he was a teenager and um, he said he always just it was always one of the things he wanted to do to play on a version of it so it was kind of that was the only reason that one came about I guess you always have to appease the drummers. Well, yeah, you've got to do something for them from time to time, you know. <laughs>
2: um, the band has always really done some interesting cover songs, and there's uh, the few included on this release. How do you decide uh, when and what cover songs the band wants to do?
4: Um, well, cover songs to me, it's it's kind of a love hate thing. You know, I have to find a song that. I think we can change to our style or change the song sufficiently to make it become our song Um, you know not trying to compete with the original to try and do something different with it Um, so that's the first thing that we look for and then when I was looking back to all the cover versions that we've done it, it kind of occurred to me that Um, subconsciously a lot of the tracks that we've covered were just on this jukebox in the pub that we used to go in when we were teenagers Mm. Uh, so, so I think it's just something in the back of my head that what's a really good song that we could do and then it must just be coming back to me from childhood these various songs that I've heard on these jukeboxes you know
5: Step off the train. I'm walking down your street again. I pass your door, but you don't live there anymore. It's years since you've been there, but now you
0: disappeared somewhere like out of space.
5: Miss the rain, and I miss you like the deserts miss the rain. Could you be dead? You always were two steps ahead of everyone. We'd walk behind while you would run I look up at your house I can almost hear you shout Down to me
2: so when the band started 25 years ago which this is you're you're celebrating your 25 years together did you imagine the band getting this
4: far no no i mean we we start just to try and emulate our heroes any any decent band starts off just a group of friends trying to play the music that they like together as a social thing you know um and I think that's the best way to get into a band, and that's probably the best way to continue a band. You know, if you, if you get into it for fame or for money or for any other reason, I think it's just too transparent. You know, and I think that's probably the secret to staying together so long. Well, at least one of them, but we're, we were friends way before any any music became involved or any, any traveling or anything. You know.
2: And the the band has definitely had um, different eras in in the, the the sound of the band. Are you happy where where the band is now?
4: Uh, yeah, but at every point in our career, I've been, I've been pretty much happy with what we were doing at the time because to me, albums snapshots. They're just uh, moments in time when you put out 100% what you're into at that moment in time. Um, I know not every band does that, but we like to try to do that because um, it's a fairly honest approach and it gives you something to have a passion for, you know, I mean, it's like the last record that we did, Tragic Idol, was quite quite a met- metal-y type record, but we couldn't have done that with any kind of conviction if we'd have been doing uh, music exactly the same as that for the previous 20 years, you know, you have to diversify from time to time to mm-hmm. keep your own interest in something, you know.
2: And when you when the band sits down to work on an album, uh, how long does it take to go from the, the first concept to a fully completed album?
4: Uh, well, uh, me and our singer, Nick, we, we usually say nine months. It's like having a baby. You know, it's kind of, you know, from conception to uh, delivery is usually around nine months for us. We're, we're not the kind of band that writes a hundred songs and then picks the best few. We kind of, just write the amount of songs that we think we want to put on an album and continually pick at them until we think we're happy with them, you know, because we're very sort of self-critical, I guess.
2: Now, one thing I find interesting about the band, during the band's entire history, really the only position that's ever changed in the band is the changing of drummers. Yeah. How do you you think... Uh, sorry carry on uh, how do you think that um, you know worked out for the band that only the drummer has really ever changed
4: uh, well it's in the grand history of Spinal Tap really I mean it's, it's just you know I mean our first drummer uh, Tud's bless him he's he's um, he was one of my best friends at school um, you know I knew him since the age of 11 um, he'd probably still be in the band if he was a better drummer <laughs> but um it just um, we start to get really popular around sort '93, of, '94, uh, and we start to do very big festivals. And you know, some people just start cut out for being in front of a large audience. You know, it kind of nerves got the better of him, and he couldn't really, uh, you know, hack it. You know, he was—I guess—is the word. So, yeah, it was a hard decision, but. Um, at the time, I think I think it probably was the right decision, you know. Um, and then since then, we've had uh, uh, two two drummers in between, having Adrian as drummer now. Um, Lee was the second drummer, and he actually turned to God. He went a little bit crazy and turned to God, uh, which we can't have one of them in the band. Um, and then and then we had a uh, Jeff who left the band because he had no kids when he joined the band and then he had kids and a family and I think that's the most admirable reason to leave a band, you know, because he wants to spend time with his kids, so it's fair enough, you know. So, um, you know, if if it wasn't for the first drummer not being good enough, he'd probably still be in the band, but we're very happy with uh, Adrian being in the band. Now he's the same age as us. He's from a similar background. He's been in a lot, into a lot of similar types of music, you know, so it's uh, it's all good now.
2: Luckily, no one's ever blown up.
4: Uh, not that we know of. The, the the God guy might have done eventually. <laughs>
2: um, let's get into. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your uh, the Valenfire period of your your career and what made you form this side project that was quite different from your normal
4: band. Uh, well, it's it, it's fairly well documented that I started it as a as a response to my dad dying in two thousand and nine. Um, it was just like an outlet for. Grief originally, just writing stuff down and writing some music to go along with it, and the music that came to mind at the time was um, the first music that I got into, which was very extreme, like uh, death metal and uh, crust punk and stuff like that. Um, so uh, then I decided to get some friends involved, and it turned into this kind of fun thing to do. And uh, we that that turned into us doing an album. The album was very well received and we did a few festivals and a few gigs round, round and about and um, we're, we're just having a great time with it so um, we, we actually decided we decided to do another record which we're going to record in january oh great
2: i'm looking forward to that
4: um so let's take a look. Oh, look actually, i'm sorry go ahead sorry we're actually, i was just going to say that we're actually going to be recording it in uh, america as well
2: no oh, that's great um, speaking of America, uh, you guys were here last year with the Devon Townsend project, um, and I know you guys are doing these 25-year 25 anir- 25 anniversary shows in like England and Europe. Are, any plans to bring that to America?
4: Well, unfortunately not. I mean, the, the 25th anniversary shows, it was initially just meant to be one show in London. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's already kind of spiraled into a two-and-a-half, three-week tour. Um, so... No, really we want to try and get on with um, writing newer stuff because, I mean, it's great to reminisce, but we don't really want to become a legacy band, if you know what I mean. All right.
2: Unfortunately, the, the one night that um, I saw you guys, well, I was going to see you guys here in Houston is when Nick was, was had no voice and he couldn't sing.
4: Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, that was the only... Yeah, that was the only date of the two we had to miss, I think,
2: yeah. Yeah, I, I was lucky enough to, you know, meet some of you guys and get, get my poster signed, but it, it wasn't the same. <laughs>
4: I was looking forward to seeing oh, you guys sorry. live again. Sorry, man, but I mean, like I said, we're gonna Paradise Lost are hopefully going to be recording a new album in uh, June next year, so late summer, early fall, we should be up for touring again. So we're going to watch out for whatever tours we can get on in North America.
2: Great. Um, So let's go back into your your past a little bit. This is always the inevitable question. Is um, this is the part of the show where I'm going to let you actually pick out a couple songs that um, got you into metal and influenced you, and maybe something new that you listen to that you want people to know about.
4: Right. Okay. Um, what got me into metal? Um, I'd say. Uh, well, I was more into I was more into punk when I first got into music. So the first couple of things that I heard that made me turn onto metal were. Um, I heard uh, Master Reality album by Black Sabbath, and um, I heard um, Morbid Tales by Celtic Cross. So it was kind of a mixture of those two that got me into metal at first. Um, and stuff that I listen to these days, I, I tend to listen to a, a lot of the quite extreme stuff um, because I think the more mainstream metal stuff at the moment is a little bit too savvy for me. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of, everyone's doing the same productions, using the same producers, and it's just getting a little bit too safe, if you know what I mean. And some of the extreme, more extreme stuff they're actually pushing the boundaries more and making it more interesting. Uh, So, you know, like bands like, uh, there's a band out of Italy called The Secret. There's an American band called Nails. Um, There's uh, Cavell Attack from Sweden. Uh, You know, some of those bands are doing pretty interesting stuff, um, especially production-wise, which is always interesting to someone in a band, you know.
2: Now I love how you mentioned the mainstream thing Because the MSR cast The MSR portion of our name Was from a, a fanzine I used to do called Mainstream Resistance so. Oh that's cool <laughs> yeah, So we definitely don't like that kind of stuff <laughs> So uh, yeah let's get into um, We'll play some old Black Sabbath And we'll do some old um, Celtic Frost And we'll play something new from a, another new band And we'll be right back mm. Let's, let's get into touring a little
4: bit. Um, what has been some of your favorite bands that you've, you've toured with? Um, more often than not, it's it's kind of um, Finnish bands we get along with really well. Uh, I think the Northern English sense of humor must be very similar to Finnish people's sense of humor, because we just tend to get along with them really well. You know, bands like him, and um, uh, 69 Eyes and bands like that um, but we also get along really well with Catatoni we've done a lot of, lot of shows with them over the years uh, who else um, yeah Devin Devin was really cool I think he has one of the most laid back bands of all time they're just kind of so laid back they're almost laying down you know um, uh, but yeah it's usually Scandinavian bands I would say that, that we kind of get along with most and I, I have no reason for that. I don't know why.
2: And is there one band that you actually have not played with that you would love to tour with?
4: Um, for selfish reasons, yeah. I, I would I would still love to do some gigs with the original lineup of Celtic Cross. Uh, because we've, we've done gigs with Sabbath and Aussie and uh, just about every band that I ever want to play with, Candlemas and, you know... Everyone I can think of that, that was a hero of mine I've pretty much played it But um, I've only played with Triptychon As far as Tom Warrior is concerned So mm-hmm. it'd be nice to play with the original um, You know, Reed of Mark And, and uh, Martin Ayn's version of Celtic Cross
2: um, coming, me, Myself coming from America How do you think metal bands can get As, as big in America as they are in Europe?
4: I wish I knew the answer to that. <laughs> I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea. It's an enigma to me. Um, I, don't, I, I have never given any thought of, as to size of bands. That, that, that's a strange concept to me. It's something that people behind the scenes think about, I think. In a, in a band, I find it far too scary to think about who sells what and how big you are because it's all. it all seems very transparent and transient even you know it's like I don't know that's not what I go into a band for you know to to try and second guess what's popular and what isn't you know I got into it because I like doing it Um, I'm I'm with a bunch of mates doing it Um, I guess agents and managers and promoters are the people that you really could answer that question better than me um
2: with such a large catalog to pull from from your music, how do you determine which songs you're going to play live in any certain setting?
4: Uh, well, it depends what what the what the purpose of the tour is. If we're doing a tour to promote a, a latest album, then we'll pick you know four or five songs from that latest album, and then shape a set around that. You know, songs from our past which fit into the flow of the set with those tracks. Um, but, like this twenty fifth anniversary set that we 're doing is totally different it's uh we 're trying to cover at least something from every point in our career, so we 're playing some tracks that we haven 't played for twenty years and things like that you know so it 's going to be quite interesting we're, we're we're having rehearsals this week and it's uh it 's quite strange going back and playing something that you haven 't played for twenty years you know.
2: Do you have that one um, song in your, in, I want to say, repertoire that uh, you're sort of tired of playing live, and you wish it would go away?
4: Uh, yeah, I think everyone has. Um, ours would be a track called "As I Die," which uh, we're just asked for every time. I don't know why it wasn't like a massive hit or anything. It's just I think rock clubs it got played a lot in and things like that. And the early doors of Handbangers um, Ball on MTV, it got mm-hmm. played a lot. It is. So I think people. Yes, yeah, so I think people ask for it a lot because of that. But um, it's fair enough, you know, I, I yeah, I get bored of playing it, but having said that, when you play it live and there's people singing it back to you and really getting off on it, it's kind of a different feeling, you know.
2: Um, this is something I want to know from you. Um, what is your opinion on the current state of the the music scene right now and how easy it is to access music on the Internet?
4: Um, I, it's a double-edged sword, I think. Yeah. Um, it's great for exposure for you know like newer bands you know uh, you can kind of put yourself out there straight away and get across to a, a certain amount of people. Um, but I don't know. I'm 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 one of the old guard. You know I'm, I'm old school. I, I I don't particularly like it because it's taken a lot of the mystery out of music and it's taken the artistic element out of it a lot. I think as well. Like you know there's not so much emphasis on artwork and packaging and photography and mm-hmm. the whole you know the whole package to me was important when i was growing up you'd get an album and you'd be like i wonder what this guy's like i wonder does this artwork relate to this song and you know it was kind of a whole event for me when i was buying records growing up and it seems that you know there's a certain amount of that being lost just because People are just downloading it and a track at a time from here and there. Um, so, you know, I, I, if if I could, if I could take away all the internet, with even all this great um, traits, I would still get rid of it just to get rid of the bad things. You know.
2: Yeah, there's nothing that beats in the experience of opening up a you know a vinyl or a brand new CD and looking through the lyrics and the artwork and, and how it fits to the album.
4: I, I totally agree but I mean it's like I've got a 16 year old son and he is not like a lot of classic rock and stuff like that uh, he thinks well I listen to noise actually uh, <laughs> but, but but he, uh, he he's same as this, any of one from that generation where they kind of download a track at a time from here and there and sometimes we don't even know which band it is right. you know so it's uh, it kind of makes them detached from the whole experience you know
2: sort of randomizes it a little bit
4: yeah, I agree But I think um, I don't think it's a hopeless uh, Prospect I think uh, What goes around Comes around And you know I think there's been a, lot, a big rise in sales Of vinyl Over the last Four or five years um, But that, Because It's kind of Backlash to that
2: You know um, So you've already Mentioned a little bit That um, you're going to be Writing some new music In the the current tour But what else Is next for the band?
4: Oh uh, well that's it, that's it As far as As far as I'm concerned I'm just I'm um, just I'm just concentrating on doing these 25th anniversary shows and then as soon as we come off that we've got to knuckle down and decide where we go next what kind of album we're going to do uh, where we want to take it because we're supposed to be recording in June next year a new album so uh, so yeah I mean it's going to be writing for the next foreseeable few months and then just see what happens after that I don't like to look too far ahead it's, uh, you know you could get hit by a bus tomorrow
2: All Right. Well, I'd like to thank you for your time. I know you uh, have some other interviews to get to, but uh, thanks for coming on the MSR cast. Any final comments you'd like to make to the fans?
4: Um, I just want to thank any fans that we have in America that's, that have stuck by us because we, we know it's not easy to stick by uh, European and UK bands and things when we it's hard for us to get over there um, as often as we, as we would like. So, you know, thanks for staying true, I guess.
2: Cool. Well, thank you for your time, man. You have a great day. Cheers, Carrie. Thanks a lot. Thank Cheers, you. man. Bye. to another fine podcast brought to you by msr productions all rights reserved blah 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 blah. for reviews archives of our podcasts and all your other metal geekery needs please visit msrcast.com
5: metal or die let's get to metal all, all the time yeah